0: Finance and History, the EABH podcast, looking for precedence from the exciting world of financial history. Follow us on BankingHistory.org. Welcome everybody to this episode of Finance and History. I am Carmen Hoffman, Secretary General of the European Association for Banking and Financial History, EABH in short. My guest today is Felipe Fernandes in Lisbon, in Portugal. He is the head of the Archive Unit from Banco de Portugal and has been a long-standing member of our community of bankers and archivists. Welcome, Filipe.
1: Thank you, Carmen.
0: Filipe, to dig right in, why are you an archivist? What makes you passionate about historical documents?
1: I started my, my career right after my college degree in history. I started doing some historical research. And um, I was immediately uh, fascinated by this direct contact with the historical records. Uh, At the time, I was uh, searching in the Foreign Office Historical Archives for information on the monarchical counter-revolution movements after the the Portuguese Republican Revolution in 1910. And um, it was uh, very interesting and very fascinating to have that contact with the actual uh, information And it is one thing to read in a book about how the English government was reluctant to recognize the Republican government legitimacy. And uh, another thing is to read the correspondence between the Portuguese Foreign Office and the English Consulate and feel um, how uncompromising the English Consul was in its uh, answers to uh, Portugal requests. I, I remember the feeling that this was like having a a window to a a moment in history. This was the the closest thing that we could have to time traveling. It was actually contact with the process of uh, creating uh, information, of uh, registering an opinion or something that will have an impact in history. I was just very interested. And then my career started shifting from research to actually uh, taking care of uh, historical records. I started working in, in archives. And by that time, I, I was just uh, very uh, interested in the amount of information that is dormant in all the archives, just waiting for someone to go through them. Because even when historians research on an archive series, they, they are just following a specific trail of information, reconstructing a particular piece of knowledge. Maybe uh, sometimes they will get a, a glimpse from a couple of other things that uh, the cutter their that uh, on those records. But um, it, it's not uh, true. the information they are taking from the, the record. These and uh, kind of a knack of organization that I, I suppose I, I, ha- I had in me uh, set me in this uh, seemingly never-ending labor of trying to make more clear what we can find in records and uh, how we can relate them between each other.
0: That That's so true what you say about the direct contact uh, with the records, how that makes history so much more real um, than just reading a des- description about it. So you work... F- For the bank of portugal which is the central bank of your country and in fact one of the oldest banks continuously in operation in the world celebrating its 175th anniversary this year like many of its fellow central banks in the world it had its origins as a commercial bank and the bank of issue and saw many transformations towards institutional independence a lender of last resort mandate and a member organization of the european monetary union lately So to name just a few, can you tell us a bit more about the bank, its origins, what makes it special? And of course, your anniversary. How do you celebrate your 175 years birthday?
1: Well, as you said, the bank is one of the oldest um, central banks in Europe. It started in 1846 as a a commercial bank, but a government-promoted bank, and uh, it was the first bank in the, the Portuguese territory, because the actually first Portuguese bank was Banco do Brasil, because in uh, 1811, when uh, Brazil was still part of Portugal, and that was where the, in the Rio de Janeiro, was when the, the first actually Portuguese bank was built. But after the Brazil independence, during the, the period of the liberal Uh, revolution. Banco do Lisboa, the the predecessor of Bank of Portugal, was created in 1821 and uh, then uh, in 1846 it became the Bank of Portugal. So the Bank of Portugal's history goes through all of the the Portuguese contemporary history. It's the the first uh, issuer of of banknote and it actually, Banco do Lisboa was created to regulate the circulation and production of uh, banknote in, in Portugal. And so it goes along all the history of banknote issuing in Portugal. It also has from uh, 1887 on a net of agencies spread through all of the Portuguese territory, uh, one for each district. So it, it reflects the local economic and financial history of each one of these districts as well. The history of the Bank of Portugal's life is uh, completely related to the economic and financial Portuguese history. This week, it's the anniversary of the bank. And um, there's usually every year around this time, there's um, an internal uh, ceremony with the address from the bank's governor. There's a congratulating moment for the the employees that uh, celebrate 15, 25 and 35 years. There's a concert, there are some events. This year, there was an expanded celebration. We had Christine Lagarde in the bank, and there was an event. Of course, because of the limitations due to the pandemic situation, there wasn't a lot more events, a lot more public presence. But there was a special celebration. And this year, we also celebrate 200th anniversary of Banco de Lisboa, the predecessor of Bank of Portugal. Uh, we are uh, publishing a, a book about that institution, and there will be a, an online exposition based on Banco de Lisboa' a record collection from our archive.
0: Yeah, I, I thought as well. It's a very exciting position for an institution to be so much at the core of, as you said, almost all of um, Portugal's contemporary history, and even before. You mentioned the Bank de Brazil, and obviously the global role Portugal uh, played. And during its history, the Bank of Portugal can look back at some experience, for example, with the monetary unions before today's European Currency Club. So the bank was a central organization for the project of a Portuguese escudo monetary zone for the Portuguese-speaking African countries, which are um, Angola, Cap Verde, Guinea-Bissau, Mozambique, and São Tomé. So this union often is considered a failed attempt at a colonial monetary union, nonetheless. Firstly, history here keeps some important lessons for the functioning or non-functioning of monetary unions and central bank cooperation. But secondly, and and actually the point I want to get at with this question is um, how the relationship with the Bank of Portugal and its fellow central banks in Africa and Brazil is still strong today, how it evolved over time uh, more precisely and how the Bank of Portugal is addressing its colonial and post-colonial past and what that means for you as an archivist.
1: That's a good question. We actually had very recently project regarding the Scudo Monetary Zone uh, with the collaboration of um, institutions, uh, archives and and banks and researchers from uh, Angola, Mozambique, São Tomé, uh, Guinea-Bissau, and also from other archives in Portugal. Nowadays, you know, it's a a sensitive subject. What we did in that project, we tried to, first of all, have an idea of what existed in uh, in information, in in records, spread around the world for the history of the Escudo Monetary Zone. And uh, we contact archives, the National Archives from Angola, Mozambique, uh, São Guinea-Bissau. And uh, we contact uh, the, the central banks and uh, some institutions and uh, some uh, research uh, institutes that uh, may have uh, information about uh, where the, the records could be found. We also contact some researchers from uh, each one of the, those countries, institutions like the IMF, for instance, we got a sense of what information and where we could find records regarding the Scudo Monetary Zone. There were two uh, objectives in in this project. One was to uh, create a, a portal an online portal which we did where we are having still adding contributes uh, with uh, with links to online catalogs from these uh, several archives with um, links to these records sometimes uh, with digitalized records sometimes just the descriptions and the other objective was to held a conference that um, was held in uh, 2018 with uh, some of these researchers from uh, from uh, angola and mozambique some portuguese uh, researchers we added a, a, a portuguese uh, researcher coordinating this this project and uh, there was also a, a couple of papers uh, published about uh, its its findings and the, the the works about about on the on these records And and the idea was to to, uh, interest other researchers around the world in this documentation, this information, and to make it available in a central point to all. Our approach was to address it and to make the the information as uh, exposed as possible for researchers to work on it and to be able to take the ideas that was possible to take from, from it.
0: The openness um, your bank showed as as a public institution is quite unique and as well the scale of the project. As you say, it's a sensitive topic that has to be addressed from very different angles, but um, the first step always being to see what information you have. I think it's quite an astonishing um, project that the bank has done there. If you compare to the English-speaking world that's only starting now to um, develop um, similar projects. Speaking about your archive, the, the Bank of Portugal archive, what does it hold? Which is its role? Why, why do you think your archive is special? And how, how do you stay relevant within the framework of your company?
1: Bank of Portugal, and for the, the reasons I said, has a, a very um, important role on Portuguese contemporary history. We are lucky enough not to have some of the disastrous uh, events that sometimes happens in archives, where we have uh, pieces of, uh, of moments in, in history uh, cut from the, the archives for destruction of, of records. We have a very complete series of records from 1821 to actuality. And we keep adding to it because uh, the archive unit also takes care of the record management of the bank. We handle and we, we manage the records since the, the, the moment they are produced nowadays in electronic format until the, the moment they go into the historical archives and to the hands of the researchers. This helps to, to have a very complete collection of records. As a result of not only the, the longevity of Bank of Portugal, but also from the many roles it had in its existence, uh, we have a very rich collection. As the, the, the first issuer of, of banknote in Portugal, we have records regarding banknote emission, designing, uh, all the artistic aspects of it, so the, the the selection of images, security elements, uh, etc. As a state bank and the, the main issuer of banknotes since uh, 1887, the bank was obliged to have an agency in each one of the 18 districts, as I, as I said before, and um, this to, to help to bring some financial and economic uh, uniformity and dynamism to, to the rest of the, the country. And for that purpose, uh, there was 18 buildings that were created in each of these cities, all by famous names from Portuguese neoclassical and art architects like Adejo Bermudes, Ventura Terra and uh, Ernesto Corodi. In our records, we have all the, the, the projects, the drawings, uh, schematics, sometimes early uh, photographs from the construction. And so we have also uh, an archive, uh, which uh, a very interesting collection for art and uh, and architecture researchers. Also, as a state bank, we have the, the, the state protocols with other countries uh, in what concerns lines of credit, uh, financial collaboration during periods like the world, the world wars or the colonial, post-colonial periods, uh, as we, we talked before. And also uh, as a bank that since uh, 1974, since the Portuguese revolution, became the, the central bank and inherit the deregulation of financial institution, this was uh, something that was done by a, an institute, it was the General Inspection of Credit and Insurance. They were responsible for the supervision of uh, the, the financial institutions. And this from 1858 to 1976. And when in 1976, Bank of Portugal inherited those uh, functions, we also inherit the, the records from these inspections. And uh, so we have all the the records from these institutions, from most of the financial institutions that existed in the last uh, couple of centuries in Portugal, since the beginning of a banking of financial institution in Portugal. And this makes us a a central point for the study of a financial institution in Portugal as well. The fact that we have such a complete trail of the record series, uh, as well as all these um, these many areas that we can uh, uh, embrace, um, I think this makes us uh, a, a completely in an, a, an archive to take in consideration for a, a lot of the, the research in uh, economic, in, uh, in, in finance, and, uh, and uh, even architectural and art history in, in Portugal.
0: So you're saying there is basically no way around your archive for anybody studying. Um, portuguese history or the history of the the former portuguese empire so you mentioned already the completeness and the the variety of topics from art to architecture to economics but if you had the chance to um to tell young researchers um about the one topic um that that you would think is is not well researched but you have all the information um for at your archive what would it be
1: there are two Areas We already have a lot of organized documentation and, on, on our catalog, but we are still on the process of uh, uh, disclosing more information about it. One of them is the history of Portuguese financial institutions. And there are some work that are already done in general uh, sense, but um, we are treating and organizing more recent documentation from the, the supervision department. And uh, that has more information, more recent information from financial institutions. Now, this it's going to be a very interesting collection to have access to, although there are some difficulties because there's obviously a lot of uh, sensible information there about uh, uh, companies. And as it becomes more recent, it's harder to to disclose it. But I think there's going to be a a lot of um, uh, interesting grounds to explore there. And um, another one that we are working on to disclose is the information from our foreign relations department, the, the part that concerned financial uh, agreements with other countries, the, the beginnings of the European Union, and the, the with the relations with the, the IMF. Those would be two areas. I think it would be interesting for uh, for students and uh, and researchers to to start uh, working on.
0: Perfect. So we're going to shout out these topics to um, to all the young researchers out there, in particular as well, um, people interested in the history of um, the African continent or um, central bank co- um, corporation, which I think is, a, is an interesting case, um, how the Bank of Portugal still maintains relations with um, the former um, colonial central banks. And I, I think there should be uh, some interest there in the in the academic community philippa can i ask you now for some quick answers to my short questions in in your opinion which is the archives most precious record
1: we have a very um, interesting process which is the alves dos reis process alves dos reis he was a forger and he forged he didn't actually make uh, false uh, banknotes but in in 1921 he actually uh, forged documents asking the company that made the Portuguese banknotes and he made, his, made himself passed, uh, as the Portuguese government and he, he asked for banknotes to be produced for him. And uh, this was a, a very big uh, scandal in, in Portugal. And they, actually, it was one of the reasons that led to the downfall of the, the First Republic. We have the the, the process, but the old the the court. It was a very long process going in the, in Portuguese and um, English uh, courts, and uh, we have the process uh, in here, and it's, it's a very interesting record.
0: Wait, so do I understand correctly? So he he pretended to be the government in order to order banknotes, and then went there to pick them up. <laughs> That's
1: <laughs> somehow, uh, yes, what happened is uh, at the time uh, we didn't produce uh, banknotes in, in Portugal, we would buy them from uh, note production companies. Uh, in this case, it was a British company, uh, Waterflow and Suns, it's, 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 it's public, of course. He he actually he forged documents, making him seem like it was the the, 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 the Portuguese government that was asking, demanding a more notes. And uh, we have to think that it was it was in a, in a period of uh, great uh, dysregulation in the, in the in the Portuguese government and uh, a lot of uh, confusion because it was right after the right in the in the first republic we have just uh, started being a republican country. There was a, a very fast succession of governments uh, with governments following and new governments being nominated, and. Uh, in the middle of this, someone came to uh, the, the, this uh, uh, English company and said, I am um, uh, uh, responsible for the, the banknote issuing from for Bank of Portugal. And uh, uh, we need this more uh, quantity of, of banknotes. There was no question raised because there was noted some irregularities, but uh, there was also is coming from other areas from the portuguese government because it was such a turmoil at the time and uh, so we uh, he, he was able to, to, to pass it and to 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 have the banknotes.
0: Yeah, that's great. So he took total advantage of the fact that the irregularities were the norm. No, that's an that's Precisely. an that's an amazing story. I've, it's a very
1: I've, interesting. Story. It's it's uh, it's already uh, there, there are a lot, a lot of uh, writing and, and, and papers about it and and, and books and it, it's a, it's an interesting uh, chapter of Portuguese history.
0: I've been long thinking to do like a, a compilation of the 10 most famous cases of financial fraud so if any of our listeners has some more examples please send them to me okay we'll see and this we...
1: I would think that in Europe this is uh it's a it's a famous one and it has a big impact even in, in relations between Portugal and, and England
0: no well, I can imagine well. um okay perfect um so is this as well the most popular record or? You have another um, extra oh, popular no. one.
1: Well, I have to say that the most popular uh, uh, record it's the all the the administration board minutes because it's it's the the one that is most uh, requested by by readers because they have the, the decisions from the administration board about the main issues from the bank and. Uh, they're always a good start for an investigation because from there you can know where the decisions were taken and what was taken in consideration. And then from there you can go to see the other more specific documentation. Obviously, and the, the, the most recent ones are sometimes hard to give access to because they are in book form and they they always contain uh, a lot of references in, in other decisions to, to, to companies, to, to people that uh, can be delicate, cannot be disclosed uh, sometimes because there hasn't been passed enough time. Uh, so it's always a little bit more tricky to, to give access to for the, for the most recent ones. But since we have them from the, the beginning of Bank of Lisboa, uh, yes, they, they're, they're always a start and they are the, the most popular ones.
0: Okay, perfect. So the the baseline ones. Do you have a a most secret um, document?
1: Well, since we we have in our archives, uh, we also take care of intermediate records. We, of course, have a, a lot of still classified documents and uh, secret and confidential uh, records. But um, one series that is uh, surprisingly uh, kept undisclosed, even the the older records, are the ones about uh, security elements in banknotes. This is true even for Escudo banknotes and banknotes that are no longer in circulation for uh, decades uh, because of uh, collectioners. And uh, the, the the security elements and the registries uh, of of um, of these banknotes, the, the ones that can prove that a certain banknote is uh, is true and it's not a forgery, these are still very important. And uh, the the collectioners of Portuguese banknotes still us and still contact us to verify if uh, banknotes that. Come up in the in the market in the collectioner markets if they are uh, not forgeries and they, and if they check with uh, with the records we have. So uh, so these are very uh, it's, they're never undisclosed because if someone has access to it, they can actually forge these these banknotes to match these these records.
0: Okay, so you are one of the few people who has ever seen these documents, right?
1: Well, there's not a lot of people that have seen them. Yes, that's true.
0: <laughs> okay, so uh, which is the most overrated um, record, and at the same time, the most underappreciated?
1: Well, we know we never know about uh, the interest that uh, people may have when they are searching to some information and. Uh, but I, I would think that uh, along uh, the history of our archives, there was a, a lot of people trying to see information about um, gold uh, reserves. The Bank of Portugal is the keeper of the national gold reserve, and uh, there were sometimes people trying to, to to reach and to have uh, to, to know the, the history of these gold re- uh, reserves, and uh, sometimes uh, hoping that they, they would find uh, more. Uh, juicier uh, history than they actually end up uh, finding and uh, so in some cases I think there was an overrated approach to these records. As from the, the, the most underappreciated, there, there is a, um, a series I, I particularly like in, in our records which is the, the the balances and reports from the the the, the Bank of Portugal agencies spread through to all the, the districts. Uh, even before the the existence of these agencies, there were some uh, local correspondents that would. I contact the Bank of Portugal, and that would make the, the, the connection between uh, the Bank of Portugal and and the local uh, merchants and, and uh, industrialists, uh, in order to to give lines of credit or, or or to pass some kind of a, of uh, titles or or banknotes, and uh, these uh, these agents and, and correspondents would every year uh, send the Bank of Portugal the central uh, central services uh, a report about the financial situation on the agency or in the in, on the area some sometimes uh, these agents and quite frequently would be extras uh, zealous in information that they would give and uh, would give information not only about the bank finances and business but also about local industries the availability of workforce how the the, the crops and or how the fishing was in that year and uh, so Although they are not very uniform in the, in the way they the report, there is um, a, a series of uh, eerie report by region for all the territory about a lot of business and even uh, social aspects. Um, I, I remember a, a particularly interesting one from uh, Setúbal, a fishing town south of Lisbon. In uh, 1917, I think, uh, around it, the, those years, uh, he reports about the average income of uh, the, the men working in fish boats uh, or the men working in can, the fish industry or a woman working in fish selling cans industry. And, uh, and very interesting, he considers, he says, that the average money that is owned by children. He, he considers them, the children, as a, as a working force, as a, a working class. And uh, the, the children that work in this industry it says they used to receive a certain amount per, per month. This is very interesting because if you gather all of this information and uh, this was, is something that would be very interesting to have uh, digitized and, and actually uh, becoming informatized data, I would think it would give a very uh, interesting insight uh, on these relations in, between uh, the, the, the districts in, in Portugal and these issues.
0: Yeah, in, indeed. It sounds like there's a, a very um, big resource for um, for giving a distinct picture of, of a certain period of, of Portuguese life, really. Perfect. So we learned about your, your favorite record, but what's your favorite thing to do inside of the archive?
1: Definitely anything that has to do with uh, communication, communicating the archive uh, internally or ex- externally. And, and investing also in connection with uh, other archives as well, but it, it's hard to be a, an archive inside an institution whose um, main focus is not to keep records. We have to have some concern in uh, showing this this asset, this informational asset, to our organization, to Bank of Portugal. And I think we have been very well received and. Uh, and uh, successful in it. We do uh, document shows uh, and, and, uh, and expositions, and uh, we did some visits to the archives and showing the, the documents. We, we would show a, a series and, and, and of records. to to uh, We would have visits from 10, 10, 10 people at a, at a time, and uh, they would be able to, to see them and to touch the, the records and to, to see a little bit of how our colleagues would work uh, 20, 50, 100 years ago, and uh, I think there's a, a lot of opportunity for for a, an archive to to show itself as a as an instrument for a, 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 the creation of a, of a cultural environment and cultural recognition inside an organization. And it, we've been working on, it. and that's something that I really like to do inside the archive.
0: Right, it's it's so true. Um, communication really is key for the archive to stay relevant. Um, not only to the outside, but within its its own organization. And of course, it's a very good answer as well, because that's what we're doing here with this um, audio recording as well, um, making um, the archive um, more accessible to a wider audience. So wh- what's your favorite thing to do outside of the archive?
1: I do like a lot still to, to work in the research, but I, I really don't uh, have a lot of uh, t- time in the, in the last... Uh, couple of, of years and uh, I, I think right now my favorite thing is uh, well I, I'm, I'm a father for, for five years now so uh, a lot of it is trying to um, show the world to my kids that's uh, something that I really like to do and to apply myself right now and show everything that and uh, that is everything is a novelty for, for them and to try to create them um, uh, some curiosity and uh, interest in uh, everything that uh, surrounds them.
0: Perfect. That, that's a very perfect answer to, um, to conclude um, our conversation. Thank you very much, uh, Filipe, for um, sharing some insights of Portuguese history with us. Thank you, Carmen. This was Finance and History, the EABH podcast. EABH is an independent international. Non for profit organization that promotes research into the history of finance, policy making, and the archives. Please join us as a member in order to support our work. You can find details online at bankinghistory.org.